Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from football.london here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Tot Tottenham sponsored by NordVPN. Well, there's uh, plenty to discuss today following that 6-2 win over Leicester City at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday evening. Alistair Gold is ever joining me. Ali, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. It's really weird. We kind of went a little spell without doing a podcast because I was away. And now we've done about three in what will be, what, about five days or so. Uh, what with the little bonus one in the middle of the weekend of the five-a-side teams that we chose from the Spurs squad and the, the revealing the FIFA ratings. It was all, uh, yeah, people are going to get sick of our voices after having not heard them for a little while. Um, but yeah, loads to discuss in this one. I know I use this a lot about Spurs, but it was weird. We're going to talk about a 6-2 victory that didn't really feel like a 6-2 victory at times. Really strange. So it uh, gives us plenty to get our teeth into. The games against Leicester usually are pretty crazy with yeah. uh, a number of goals in them. And this was exactly that on Saturday in N17. Leicester going ahead through Yuri Thielman's retaken penalty after Hugo Lloris had saved it. It was a great uh, save as well. Great save, but obviously VAR saw that he was off his line. Spurs then went ahead following, obviously, Harry Kane's equaliser and then a brilliant header from Eric Dyer. James Madison equalised with a brilliant goal on the stroke of half-time. Spurs then went ahead not long after the restart through a really good finish from Rodrigo Benson Kerr and then Sontion Min uh, came off the bench and then scored uh, a sublime hat-trick in 13 minutes, 21 seconds, I believe it was. So it was just an incredible day at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, as you were saying, 6-2 win, but I don't think that reflects the game at all. That just looks like a convincing win for Tottenham, but it was anything but. Yeah, especially in that first half. First half, they were just... I just think it was probably one of the sloppiest performances I've ever seen. Even like Bentenker, who we're going to praise absolutely because his second half was probably the best 45 minutes I've seen him play. But even in the first half, a man so normally calm and composed was was just giving the ball away. Um, and, and most of them were as well. I think we were joking about this in the press box. That there, was like, there was loads of times I'm looking down, I'm writing because Spurs are in possession at the back. So I thought, okay, here's a good time to kind of write a little bit more in my like reports or player ratings or whatever. And then suddenly I hear the crowd go, oh, and I look up and the ball's flying back towards Spurs' box again because Leicester have got it. And it's because they've just played a daft pass to someone that was, you know, never, ever going to reach the target. Um, and the game was very much like that. Um, that, it, <laughs> trying to try thinking it back to it, it's just mad. Like, they started well, Spurs. In those first few minutes, it was a bit like, uh, we finally got to see Perisic on the right, session on the left. We saw the wing-backs flying up the pitch. It was like, oh, this is the crowd are up for this. Um, obviously, we'd had that 
slightly awkward minute silence with, um, yeah, some interesting words shouting out uh, at those who weren't respecting it, which kind of just added to the awkwardness. Um, but after that, I felt the crowd were really up for the game. And then Spurs almost like tried their best to chuck it away. And we had Perisic, normally so calm and composed, flying into two challenges he was nowhere near getting. Then Davinson Sanchez following up by launching into a challenge about half an hour before the ball was even near the Spurs box. And then um, bringing, who, was he, who did he bring down? It's gone out of my head. James Justin. Justin, yeah. yeah. Bringing Justin down. Um, then a retaken penalty. Um, and it's just like, how did we manage this all in like the first six or seven minutes? It was like a game within six or seven minutes. It was so mad. Um, and yeah, I was gutted for Lloris because I think the last two games he's been excellent. And that penalty save would have topped it off nicely. But I guess the rules are the rules. If you, if you step off your line, that's it now. Um, yeah, it was a very strange Spurs performance because... Conte clearly went out there at half. Well, sorry, went in there at half time and had some choice words to them. Um, I think I've actually got them because Eric Dyer spoke about exactly what he said. Um, let's see if I've got them here. Uh, that was it. He told the team to be better in position, hold on to the ball for longer periods, and take on the instructions of where to hurt Leicester, specifically down the flanks. Um, and yeah, second half, but it was like night and day. It was just two different sides and. Leicester had the odd little moment in the second half where they looked like, I think, uh, was it Dakar forced uh, Lloris into a save and stuff like that. But other than that, Spurs were absolutely dominant. And uh, as we're going to talk about, I think a little formation switch played its part as well in the last 20, 23, 24 minutes or so. Um, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of strange days at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and, and this was definitely one of them. As you were saying, Tottenham did start the game really well. There was some good play from Richarlison to link up with Sessignon down the left. And you're thinking, oh, here we go. It's going to be, you know, a bit of a dominant display. And Spurs certainly needed one after that defeat against Sporting CP during the week. But for me, it was like, it just seemed to change when Sanchez miscontrolled that ball, what was in the air. And uh, literally a few seconds after that, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, Leicester had that penalty and you just knew it was going to be a penalty as soon as he dived in because he just went in so, so early. Uh, it was weird. He, yeah. It was really weird. I've watched it back so many times and I can't understand the amount of time he gives Justin. Justin could have just stopped and jumped over his foot, like like fallen over it. It just could have taken a foul at any point. So weird. Yeah, but I think just... That passage of play pretty much just summed up the game because after Sanchez miscontrolled it, Perisic jumped into a couple of tackles that he wasn't getting anywhere near. The ball was rebounding all over the place and it resulted in Leicester, you know, going down the left and Sanchez then just, (laughs) for whatever reason, going down so, so early and just handing uh, Leicester a penalty. It was such a strange game because... I know Tottenham won 6-2, but that just doesn't reflect the performance at all because Leicester quite easily could have been winning at half-time given the amount of chances they had. Uh, Dakar had a one-on-one with Lloris, what he seemed to take so, so early. Uh, And that, again, was pretty much a lucky ricochet and the ball came straight through to him to run through and for whatever reason decided to take it 
outside the 18-yard box where he could have gone through. Was it Sanchez it, chasing back? I was trying to think. It was someone that was worrying a bit. It was, it was either Sanchez, it, it Sanchez might have or been. Sessignon. I can't remember who it was. It might have been. And then there was Kane and Juice Rihal. He had a shot from outside the area or plays over. And then Madison had a really, really good chance uh, on the stroke of half-time. I mean, it was in acres of space uh, in the area. And it was a good save from Larice, but I think Madison probably should have done better. And then it was Leicester's turn to give the ball away straight after the break. And, you know, yeah. Spurs capitalised on it and thankfully went on to win the game uh, thanks to Son with that brilliant hat-trick. Just going on the t- team selection then. When what we all thought ahead of the game, I think in your predicted team you had Son starting Richarlison yeah. on on the bench, but Conte went the other way. Yeah, I kind of got I got some elements of my predicted team right. I think I had Perisic on the right and Session on the left. I think we had Longley in because obviously Ben Davies has picked up this uh, little hairline fracture um, of his leg just right underneath his knee, um, which is going to keep him out for three weeks or so. Um, and then other than that, yeah, it was just who he was going to go for. Was it going to be Richarlison or was it going to be Son? And yeah, it's one of those now where we look back in hindsight, I think we have to say it was the perfect decision. I think we do because I think Son and those who adore Son, which should be pretty much every Spurs fan, um, will say, oh, you were wrong because look how good Son is. But then Conte will say, well, no, I was right, because <laughs> look how good Son was. <laughs> it's almost like, because uh, Conte's made this big deal about recently, about it's it, my rotation is to protect the players. That's how he keeps using this expression. And he's trying to make it clear. It's not just physically. It's not just saying that they're tired physically. That is an element, of course it is. But he says mentally they can be a little bit fatigued and tired as well. And I think for me, that's probably more what it was about with Son. I think Son has just had the weight of the world on his shoulders, it's felt like, in recent games. Um, Obviously, when you're the golden boot winner, there's more attention on you. He hasn't scored yet at that point. He'd had just the one assist in the opening game against Southampton. I just think mentally it all kind of was just weighing on, on him a little bit. And almost, I think we saw it in the goal celebrations as well. I think being put on the bench, it angered him. It made it. He was not happy. All those goal celebrations were laced with this kind of irritation at anyone that had doubted him, which is great. I love that. Um, and yeah, I just think it, it proved to be perfect. And if Conte, uh, sorry, if Song goes now on a kind of goal spree, let's say, which he can do, he goes on these lovely runs of goals. I think it's come from being benched, and and it's not he's not being dropped. He's being rotated. It was his turn. If you're looking at the stuff, you know, Richarlison was at four games on the bench. Um, Kulisewski was three games on the bench. So it was someone else's turn. Um, and until he's fully confident with Richarlison playing as a central striker, it's not going to be Kane just yet. I think it will be after the international break and he's going to have to. Um, but I think for Son to have his turn, obviously, he's not going to leave him on the bench after that. So it's going to be one game, not three or four. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a decision that absolutely ended up making perfect sense. And yeah, I, I think it, it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see everything afterwards. And obviously you got Sonny in the mix zone. What was he like afterwards in the mix zone? Yeah, uh, it, it was fine, to be honest. Uh, obviously, I think you're always going to be happy after a performance like that and getting a hat-trick. Uh, I think 
he was asked basically about his celebration and what he was saying was he, he just stopped. He, he didn't really know what to do. And, you know, like his family, friends, Tottenham teammates just came to his mind at that point. So just a bit of a moment of uh, reflection. But he was also asked basically about does like not scoring play on your mind. And he says, like, even if he goes home after a win, after a defeat, if he scored or not, there's always moments of a game you reflect on. And that's going to be the same yeah. for every single player. So, yeah, it was, I think, it's very... It's with this podcast, isn't it? I know sometimes <laughs> you go home and just lie awake thinking of the things you didn't say. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, I think he, he was uh, really happy to get back on the scar sheet. And for me, it, it was the right decision. I put that in my predicted team that Son wouldn't be in and... I think you just need to take him out of the firing line because it's been such a frustrating start to the season for him. I think he's just needed a bit of a breather and just having, you know, a game on the bench can potentially do the players the world of good. And I think that proved to be the point on Saturday. Uh, I think he sh- shouldn't have been in the team a couple of games ago. I think that was probably the ideal time to bring him out and maybe if that Man City game had gone ahead then he wouldn't have started against Sporting in the uh, Champions League but if you're going on form uh, Son shouldn't have been in the team, Kulisevsky should have been in the team with Rich Allison and uh, Kane but the perception of Son missing out on the team is quite strange really because because he'd not scored in his first eight games it's Son's dropped and Conte's always said he will rotate his players. So maybe if he had scored in those first eight games, it'd be Son's being rotated, uh, Kulisevsky's coming. But, but people no. would have been angry with that. Yeah. It's funny, uh, it? Yeah, so it's, it's weird how it, it works. But yeah, it was just rotation. And thankfully, Son's back on the score sheet. And he does seem to go on these runs, as you mentioned. So hopefully we can have uh, a bit of a, a purple patch from him now in front of goal and Northland and Derby next up. So fingers crossed. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I would just I love the quote he came out with. I think it was to Sky straight after the game. Um, I think was, yeah, I think it was Sky. And he was talking about um, the support from the fans and everything. I'm hoping he didn't look on Twitter because he probably was less support on Twitter <laughs> during his um, Baron spell. But... Yeah, he said, I'm glad I've been able to help the team. This is really important and I can go to international duty with renewed energy. I'm getting emotional about the support, to be honest. There's been amazing support and I've always felt like I've disappointed my teammates and fans with my performances. They've always been supporting me. Just like in case anyone couldn't love him anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's absolutely kind of, it's the funny thing. It's kind of, a, there's a little bit of um uh, a difference, I think, in the way he was on the pitch after the goals. That was an angry kind of, in your face kind of celebration I felt it was almost like uh, but after the game was really really humble and kind of quite honest about I think he said I was trying to think, oh, my finishing has been poor this season as well he said earlier on um, I think it was really interesting that you can be kind of self-analytical but in the moment with the adrenaline as well it was yeah I like that I, I like I like to see players kind of have that little bit of fire about them and Conte kind of referred to it ahead of the game that he felt that Son was angry more than anything um, and that was, I don't know whether that meant that he knew he wasn't going to play. He'd already told him he wasn't or whether he was just angry with himself because he hadn't 
been scoring, I don't know. But, I mean, the quality of those finishes. That first one um, was just incredible. And the second one, I love that. Have you seen they've done the side-by-side with the one at the King Power Stadium? I think it was, wasn't it? No, it was uh, oh, at, was it at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last season, the third goal in the 3-1 win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like the actual finish itself is near identical. It's such a good one. And we know this. He's told us this before. Like Since he was a kid, he would just practice those kind of shots with both feet, and he still does constantly in training. Um, and even the third one, that's Sonny kind of trademark Sonny running through onto something. Um, and finishing under the keeper. And the, the linesman tried to spoil it, but he wasn't able to. Um, it was perfect. And, I mean, you and I were both kind of keeping an eye on the, the celebrations that were going on as well. Um, I mean, the one that I'm going to mention is the, the massive hug with Giampiero Ventroni at the end as well. He, they love each other, those two. There's such a lovely connection between them. And all the players love Ventroni. He's a guy that absolutely runs them into the ground. He makes them sick by the side of the pitch with what he puts them through. They collapse and faint in Korea pretty much. But they adore him. It just just comes across as... It's weird because in Italy, he was known as like quite a scary character, I think. And people would... Wasn't it a famous story that Viali called the police on him and tried to lock him in a cupboard or something like that when he was making the Juventus players work like mad? Um but the Spurs players adore him for what they're doing. And then, yeah, it was just a really lovely kind of like 30 seconds to a minute long hug. They just like held each other. And I think you, in the mix zone, didn't he talk about the reason behind that as well? Yeah, he was asked about uh, Ventroni. And he did say he's a bit of a killer on that, on the trade. Already seen, but what he was also saying was like, he's, he's just such a nice guy who with his English isn't the best so t- sometimes he speaks in Italian on his phone and has it translated into English oh, really? so they can Excellent. understand him yeah and basically what he said was before the, the team had set off to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium they were at the training ground and Petrone had a bit of a moment with Son uh, just a bit of a chat for a, a few minutes and he was just really grateful for that moment and I think that's exactly why he went over at the full-time whistle and just embraced him for, like you were saying, a good 30 seconds to a minute. It was really nice to see. So Ventroni is the mastermind behind Sonny's performance, really, then. Um, and we had Perisic as well, who I kind of noticed him coming out of the dugout. He was like slowly wandering as if he knew something was going to happen before that first goal. And then he went mad. And then, well, you can take it from there. What happened after <laughs> that ball hit the back of the net? Because there were a couple of things happened. Yeah, uh, well... I don't think Perisic was expecting Antonio Conte to leap into his arms literally straight after that. Conte at the time was just walking down the touchline and basically just stops as Son was shooting. Turned around like mad, arms going everywhere. Perisic was pretty much the closest person to him, so he leapt into his arms, uh, was there for a good five seconds or so, managed to go down, uh, went to hug the rest of his coaching team. And at that point, Perisic... Then went on to uh, the pitch, actually, to join in the celebrations. I didn't see that at the time, but there's, no, a, vid- no, there's a video doing the rounds, what someone in the South Stand had filmed. And yeah, Perisic 
basically just join, joins in uh, the big huddle with the rest of the team and then referee just walks over, just brandishes a yellow card in his direction. So obviously just re-entering the pitch when he's already been substituted up in about 15 minutes earlier. Yeah, you'd think he'd maybe get away with it because he didn't have a coat on. So it looked like just one of the players and clearly yeah. the referees just had a second look and thought, whoa, there's way too many like white shirts here. And even, I think, because in the Conte cam that Spurs about, you can see Perisic start on that run and he looks back at the bench almost as if, say, anyone going to stop me? Okay, I'm going to go, kind of thing. <laughs> and it's uh, it's quite funny. But, um, yeah, terrific, three terrific goals. Sonny off the mark. Um, and now we've got this lovely thing where he knows that if, if he can, even if he doesn't score in the next two games, he'll have three and three. <laughs> it's <a little laughs> funny the way that stats completely change. Um, I think he will, though. I, I wouldn't be sh- shocked if he scores in North London derby. He does like a North London derby goal. Um, I hope he does because I don't want Spurs going to the Emirates and being as absolutely horrendous as they were last season. Uh, but more on that a bit later. Um, but yeah, we've got got some good little stats as well. This this is um, it's the I've got it here. It's the best. Let's have a look. It is the best start to a season Spurs have had a Premier League season, since the 2016-17 season when they finished uh, second to Chelsea, who were managed by, of course, Antonio Conte that season. Um, They've obviously got the same amount of points as City, 17, and they've got 18 goals, which only City have got better than this season with 23. Um, This is funny, isn't it? It's like this tag of like boring kind of Tottenham or, or people not happy with Conte's football when they score more goals than anyone bar City. Um, what's the other's loads of stats at the moment. If they avoid defeat in the North London derby after the international break, they will equal their longest unbeaten run in the Premier League of 14 matches. They have won four in a row at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which means that they've had a home winning streak of more than three from the beginning of a top flight season for the first time since 1987-88 season when they managed five. Um, although they don't have another home Premier League game until October the 15th. Any idea who they might be playing on that day? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Everton, half-five kickoff. Everton, who obviously won at the weekend. Uh, yeah, a yeah. couple of tough games coming up after that, but yeah. the way Everton are playing should be a good game. Yeah, and there's loads of stats. It's like the first time they've scored, I think it's more than five in a home game since the Wigan 9-1 match all those years ago when Defoe scored five. Uh, there are so, so many stats. And and also, we haven't even touched on two set-piece goals from the Gianni VO playbook as well. What do you make of those two? Yes, Spurs just look like they've gone to score every time they got a set-piece. Leicester are so bad at them, look really, really shaky. Uh, I mean, it was a fantastic goal. Uh, Eric Dyer's header. No one on the back post. I always think you need someone on the back post, but... That doesn't take it away from Dai's header, leapt really well, uh, managed to find the far corner. And what was really interesting as well to see, Perisic was taking corners with both feet as yeah. well. I think we've already seen that at Chelsea this season yeah. away. So, yeah, that was uh, a really, uh, really good. The look Looking good on the set pieces. Yeah, that first moment. goal, I don't think we even realised, kind of because it, almost felt like a second phase of play. I think yeah. both of us at the time kind of didn't even realise that was a set-piece routine as well. Perisic came near, passed it straight back to Kuliseski. Kuliseski cuts in, back post, Kane header. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose it depends if you want to class that as a 
a set piece goal. I don't it know. Is. How... It's the routine, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it depends how you class it, whether it's well, direct directly <laughs> from a corner or a free kick or whether, you know, you can play a short one and then put it in. I don't know. But yeah, that was a terrific ball in from Kulisewski. Oh, you know what he's going to do. As soon as he cuts in from the right onto his left, every single time he puts in a fantastic ball. And, you know, if you're Kane, Son or someone else, just get into good areas and you know he's just going to pick pick you out and yeah good finish from Kane as well definitely another little stat for you and whether this nods pardon the pun whether it nods towards set pieces or um, just the fact that they're using the flanks more in the Conte system Spurs have scored more headed goals than any other side in the Premier League they've got seven in seven games this season which is just one fewer than their total for the entirety of last season impressive that weird yeah yeah I think it is. I think it's got to be a combo of the set pieces, but also the fact that they're being encouraged to get wide and get that ball into the box, whether it's the wing backs or the wingers. Um, I just find that fascinating. And especially when you've got players like Kane and Richarlison, we know are good headers of the ball. Sonny can do it, but it's probably less known for it than those two are. Um, And so, yeah, I just find that fascinating. I mean, that's not even, I don't even know if that's taken into account. It probably wouldn't, the two that Richarlison scored in the Champions League as well. So, yeah, a lot of headed goals there. Yeah, obviously talking about Spurs doing well down the wings and, you know, getting the ball in. Even Perisic was at right wing back. I think Conte dropped a bit of a hint in his press conference on Thursday. I think it was yeah. to your question about Emerson Royale, where, where yeah. he basically said Perisic can play as a right wing back. And uh, lo and behold, that's where he was in the team uh, on Saturday against Leicester with Ryan Sessignon playing on the left. What did you make of Perisic's performance on the right? Mixed, I'd say. I thought defensively he wasn't as strong as he normally is. And maybe that's just because he's got so used to defending as a left wing back, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, not just that early moments when he was like wildly kind of trying to tackle everyone that couldn't get anywhere near them. But there was just a couple of times he was skinned quite easily. And I don't think it's any coincidence. I think a lot of people... And probably rightly to a degree as well, that after the Madison goal, which I don't think either of us realised at the time, came off his shin. It looked like a really good finish. And I think even I watched match today and they were raving about what a good finish it was. And it was only when I watched back a really close-up replay, it's like, well, it actually has come off his shin. It's a little bit like the um, Rooney um, overhead kick when I, I was the flip side on that. But at the time, everyone was raving about that. And I was saying... But it's come off his shin. But I don't, I'd probably to be fair, I think with it's an overhead kick, you can probably still say it's pretty class. Uh, but I felt with this Madison one, I must admit, I, it kind of went down a little bit in my kind of feeling about the goal because I just thought at the time, I can't really criticize maybe Dyer's defending on that because it's such a nice hit. But kind of looking back, I think I still probably can't criticize him, but I do think it's it's a little bit of a fluky hit. It's like the one place where maybe the ball could have bounced off to actually create that weird dipping arc that went over Larice. Um, maybe he meant that. He might come out and say, I meant to shin it into the top corner. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that was a strange finish. Um, still, it still went in. It still went <laughs> in. It still, still went in. Look good. You it, take it, it, it no matter good. how it goes in. It did. I just think technique-wise, doesn't probably deserve quite the same amount of kudos that I was giving him to begin with. But we were talking about Perisic, um, which I've completely waffled away from. Um, yeah, what I was trying to say was after that goal, 
Session and Perisic was swapped uh, with Session going on the right. And there's a part of me that kind of thinks, I think that was partly Session getting beaten in the air by Castagna as well. Maybe that kind of the strength thing. Uh, but I also think probably that Perisic wasn't doing that well on that side either. I think it was to help both. And the fact that Perisic came off only about eight, nine minutes into the second half, it suggests that Conte was probably slightly less happy with him than he was with Sessegnon. I mean, also there's going to be a fatigue element as well with Perisic having played uh, the last couple of games. But yeah, it's I'm slightly gutted because I did feel that on paper that was a really good looking idea to have Perisic on the right and Session on the left. It may well we'll see it again and it works absolutely fine. But um I think I saw, again, it might have just seen it on social media, so you can probably discount it immediately. But I'm sure someone was suggesting that in Italy, the Inter fans have suggested in the past that Perisic isn't quite as good on the right. The left is where he really excels, which is weird because naturally he is right-footed, although he is clearly very both-footed, having trained um, his left as well. Um, Yeah, it didn't quite work. For me, as well, I don't think either of them really put that pressure on Emerson Royale that we kind of expected them to do. I thought in those opening minutes they were going to because they absolutely were flying up the pitch and pinging in crosses from everywhere. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably say Emerson at this point starts in the North London derby, um, unless obviously injuries aside to anyone. Um, I don't think I think Session was okay. I, I thought he could have done better. Uh, but I also didn't think he was bad. I thought some of his defending was quite good down that side. Just obviously that Castagna moment wasn't great. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think either really... I mean, look, let's be honest, Perisic doesn't have to push his claims because he's probably is the starting left wing back. But I don't think they push their claims to be a, a duo out there on the pitch. Yeah, agree with you. Uh, Perisic, I think, yeah, not as good as it has been in previous weeks. A few... Good moments, but on the whole, pretty average, really. Uh, Sessegnon had these moments going forward, uh, especially in the first few minutes where he linked up well with Richarlison. That did okay defensively, but I think the Castagna moment is the standout one uh, for yeah. me. He, he didn't even really jump. I don't, I don't know what it was, whether Castagna had an arm on him, maybe, just so he couldn't Maybe jump. he didn't know he was there. I don't know. Yeah. It was a strange one. Yeah, a bit of a strange one, but I think on the whole, Sess has had uh, a really decent start to the season so far, and obviously Conte clearly sees something in him, so he's getting regular minutes in the team at at the moment. So yeah, maybe it was just one of those games, but it's just good to have options on both flanks now uh, going forward. Steer clear of that injury, don't we? That's the main thing with Sess. Steer clear of that injury. Obviously, he's gone off with England under-21s now. Please, please don't do anything there because he's had a few problems when he's gone out with them in the past. Um, Because I think the more and more confidence he gets from getting minutes, but also not getting injured, just the more confidence in his body, I think we just see, we'll see him develop in leaps and bounds. Like you say, Conte is very pleased with him and who better a mentor to have in the position than one of the best in the world in that position in Perisic? So, um, yeah, hopefully all going well for them. Yeah. Uh, before we discuss a bit more on Tottenham 6-2 win at Leicester, as we're sponsored by NordVPN, Ali, do you want to just tell everyone about the benefits of using NordVPN as I believe you did use them quite a bit on your recent holiday? 
<laughs> well, it was more so uh, in Lisbon, which was a bit of a lifesaver with Spurs because um, if you're not kind of aware what VPN is, virtual uh, private network, um, it's something that can... There's a security element to it of if you're using a public Wi-Fi, you can do so and switch on this VPN and essentially it stops anyone trying to get into your phone and take anything off of it. Um, you know, these naughty cyber thieves out there can't get into your phone and do anything. Um, but the other side to it as well is it allows you essentially to, I suppose, make your phone think it's in a different country. So let's say, I don't know, you subscribe to various things that you watch over here, various streaming services or whatever, you can then go abroad. And if you go abroad, normally you can't watch your thing that you've actually paid for, which is a very strange setup, um, especially when you're paying monthly for it. And if you're going away and you can't then watch it. But what the virtual private network will do is you can connect to a network, let's say it's in London or anywhere in the UK, and your phone will then believe that you are back in the UK so you can just watch your stuff as normal. So that was incredibly helpful for me in um, Lisbon because where we were sat in the stadium had absolutely no screens to look at replays or anything. So, And it was a very high up seat. So I kind of think I'd said to you before the game, Gesty, you might have to help me out here because there's going to be bits that if I miss them, I've got no way of knowing what happened. Uh, but then for, thankfully, realised that I could get my BT uh, sorted out on my phone because I could connect using the VPN back to uh, England and, and have BT Sport running there just behind about a minute behind the game. So, yeah, it's very helpful for that. And I think from what people have told me, it works the other way as well. So if, let's say, you wanted to subscribe to, I don't know, some streaming service, but the equivalent of it in America, their version of it or something like that, you could watch theirs, but you switch your VPN to thinking it's in America. So it works both ways or whether you want to watch sport or whatever from another country. It's all very, very clever. Um, and, yes, definitely one of those things where even if they weren't sponsoring us, I'd be able to say positive things about them because I've used them on this. I've used them on preseason tour in Shanghai a few years back as well. Um, very, very helpful. And uh, I think you've got a bit of an offer on it as well if people want to get it. I do. Yeah, you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus free threat protection plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right. Back on to Tottenham, as we've already spoken about Son, who was the super sub coming off the bench and getting a hat-trick. I think it's early right that Yves Basuma uh, gets plenty of praise as well because it was a key change, really. Uh, prior to Basuma coming on and Spurs going with a midfield three, Leicester in the first half and at times in the second were just running through the middle uh, at will uh, with ease, really, time and time again. And caused Tottenham uh, a number of problems just because Leicester had that extra man in midfield, whereas Spurs just had the two in, Peter Milhoibjerg and uh, Rodrigo Bentenker. So, 70 minutes on the clock, Ibasuma, uh came onto the pitch, added that extra man in midfield, and that really just swung the game in Tottenham's favour after that. And as you were saying earlier in the pod, just having Son a bit closer to Kane in a, a 3-5-2. That just worked wonders for the pair of them. And you saw Son run through one goal uh, a couple of times and managed to get a, a hat-trick in the end. So, yeah, it was really good to see 
Yves Basuma on the pitch and making an impact because going on Conte's comments in the press conference on Thursday, it seemed like Basuma probably wouldn't start. And I think he was saying he's got to improve. Was it defensively? Defensive thinking in terms of Tottenham's system, he's got to aspect. Yeah, he's got he's got to work on. So I think all Tottenham fans have wanted to see a lot of Bissouma since signing him, but it's really been a bit part role. And I think that was one of his longest cameo appearances off the bench, uh, playing twenty minutes because it's usually just been the five minutes or so. I think he, he had ten minutes. Might have been at Chelsea in August. Obviously played ninety minutes. Uh, at West Ham, struggled in his first start for Tottenham, certainly wasn't helped by that early yellow card where he's just walking a tightrope for the final 70 minutes. But yeah, Bissouma made an impact. Tottenham did look a lot better with the midfield three. It's something Conte's used a lot in Milan in a 3-5-2 formation. I can only really think of the one time he's gone with that. And that was against Leicester uh, in January. I think it was a midfield three of Harry Winks, Hoiberg and Skip that day. And Liverpool. And Liverpool. Uh, that was a very different midfield three, though, wasn't it? it Delhi, was. Tongi and Winks. Winks, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think he's probably gone with it a couple of times late in games, maybe. Yeah. Bringing an extra body in. But from the start, very rare we've seen that. But maybe... Maybe something we might see in the North London derby now. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe when he's had a three in the past, there's been one slightly more creative player in it. They've got to be a worker. Obviously, we know Christian Eriksen very well, and he was that man into in that second half of the season as they won the title. Um, so it would definitely be a different kind of one at Tottenham because you've got three players less known for their offensive abilities. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it was a big match for Basuma um, in terms of, I wouldn't say Conte was picking on him, that, that's not fair to say, but I would say in the presser, it was quite honest about him. Um, and obviously Conte is kind of just getting people off his back that are saying, why is Basuma not playing, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of... Yeah, probably a little bit too honest and saying that his tactical aspect, you know, he was struggling. That was the word he used because I think that was answering my question about Matt Doherty. I think I was talking about Matt Doherty was the question about his knee and, and whether he was fit enough to to challenge. Because that is the weird thing is that Perisic and Session have kind of rotated quite a lot and Emerson Royale started every single game. So I think that was the reason I was asking. And he kind of took that on to Basuma as well and saying that Basuma was struggling with the tactical aspect and then later he elaborated and saying is defensively he's got to improve as well. And I just thought it was quite nice that two of the big moments that I felt that Basuma had against Leicester, one was an inch-perfect tackle just on the edge of the Spurs box and the second one was a really good bit of pressing and tackle that set away Hoybier to set up Son for the third goal. Um, obviously, we shouldn't miss out Rodrigo Bentenker who had, we kind of alluded to earlier, had a fantastic second half. Um, obviously, Preston Didi went up, scored the goal, which, to be honest, was with a finish that Kane or Son would have been absolutely delighted with. It was a real striker's... I can't believe that was his first goal. We were kind of scratching our heads a bit surprised at that because we kind of felt he'd already scored, but he hadn't. Uh, that was terrific. Then he put in a brilliant ball into Sonny, uh, which, unfortunately, Sonny was kind of running on. He couldn't quite connect properly to it. Uh, and then he won the ball, played Sonny away. Actually, it was before that, wasn't it? He won the ball back, played Sonny away for his first goal. 
So brilliant impact from um, Benton Kerr. Um, and he, I felt, looked even more comfortable in a three, which I think uh, a couple of Italian journalists have suggested that, that maybe he's better in a three um, when he was at Juventus as well. So, yeah, I've, I just felt like Basuma being in there, and actually Basuma was playing probably the most, ironically, after being told he's defensively he's not the strongest, he was probably playing the anchorman role out of the three when he came on. He sat in front. You could see Conte giving him really like uh, detailed instructions on the sideline before he came on. He spoke to him for a good minute or two before he came on. Um, and it looked like he was doing the old classic of two with one behind with his fingers and that Basuma was going to be the one behind. Um, and we, you saw it work to perfection because Benteke was able to get up the pitch, um, set up Sonny. Hoybier late on was able to get up the pitch, set up Sonny as well. Um, and, and Basuma just kind of marshaled that area in front of the um, the back line and did it very well. Um, I think what will be key is if it is to be used against Arsenal, and this isn't a thing against Emerson Real, this is purely a formation tactical thing, but if you're going to go with three players that aren't particularly offensively minded in the middle, I think your wing-backs have to be very attacking wing-backs um, because also those midfielders are going to be able to fill in one of them will be able to step back into the back four, uh, sorry, to make a back four. That back three can then push out, and whether it's Longley or Davies on the left, they can become like an auxiliary left back for a moment, and Romero, we know, will go out to that right-hand side to cover. So personally, I'd rather go for Kulisevsky as the right wing back, and that's certainly something that Conte has spoken about because I think that is the way of getting his kind of three forwards in that he still wants in. Um Emerson, I understand he might be tempted to go because of the defensive aspect against, you know, especially at the Emirates. My only fear is that you've you've got a midfield three that are quite defensively minded anyway, and you shove Emerson in there as well. You're kind of playing with a back seven, aren't you? <laughs> um, which is a bit like with Perisic kind of lopsidedly going down the left-hand side. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, as you said earlier, I do think... Kane and Son are one of the best strike partnerships in the world. So as much as I absolutely think Kulisevsky is going to be one of the world's best players one day, um, and he's probably, you know, he's developing very quickly as it is towards that. But I don't think we can take away from the fact that Kane and Son were rather good before he came along. Um, you know, especially we saw him under Mourinho being such a brilliant partnership together. Obviously, uh, under, under Poch, it was probably kind of a partnership there was others involved wasn't it, it was Ericsson and obviously Delhi to begin with as well um but yeah Conte last season as well um we kind of saw both sides of them um as the season wore on and became a, a, a trio but yeah I think as a partnership their understanding is so good that when Sonny comes inside rather than being out wide he can be very very good at that lethal as well um so yeah personally I'd like to see a 3-5-2 against Arsenal especially because I feel we just have this same thing every time where we come away from a match where Spurs have played against a midfield three with their midfield two and we say, oh yeah, it looked a bit naive. They had a lot of, you know, they were kind of overpowered in the midfield and blah, 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 blah. And it would just maybe be nice for them to kind of go into this match and actually match up. Um, I mean, he could go another way. He could put Kulisevsky in there and Kulisevsky kind of sits in front of Hoybier and Benton Kerr. That's the other way to go. We know he can play as a number 10. but um, 
Yeah, whether we see that's an entirely different thing, but uh, oh, it'd be good if they go there and actually do something because it's a big game. <laughs> it always, you know, it's not season defining because it's only going to be what is it, the eighth game of the season in the Premier League. But I just think with both teams starting kind of well and Arsenal getting a lot of praise, Spurs being unbeaten, um, it would it would uh, send out a very nice message if Spurs were to be able to do something at the Emirates. Yeah, uh, just hopefully there's a vast improvement on uh, the performance there last year. That first 45 minutes, oh, dreadful, appalling, so, so bad. And yeah, obviously Arsenal will be out for revenge as well after that 3-0 defeat last year, what was a pivotal game in deciding who came forth uh, for the final Champions League place. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting game. And I think, so we're discussing maybe a three-five-two. It's just nice to have options now, whereas yeah. previously they've not. So Conte's got a big decision on his hands. Uh, if Basuma comes in, then yeah, maybe that frees up Bentenker a bit more to get forward as he did do against uh, Leicester. Because as so you're saying, first half wasn't great at all, and that's not just Bentenker. That's basically the whole team. Yeah, Tottenham ran out six-two winners. But it was extremely sloppy at times. And it's just, I think Conte probably saw a side of his Tottenham team that he won't want to see again in the hurry because just losing the ball so much and just in dangerous places as well. Ball were bouncing about all over the place. So there needs to be a vast improvement from the first 70 minutes against Arsenal uh, next Saturday, a week on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah. Half, well, he did tell 12. me afterwards, which I felt was interesting, that. He said that he was really disappointed with how low the energies levels looked at Sp- with Spurs in the first half. Whereas he said second half, they looked stronger, which doesn't really make any sense. But yeah, I, I don't get that either. But he's right. They did. They looked knackered in the first half at times. Yeah. Maybe that's just giving them a few choice words as well at half time. Yeah. I think, well, we'll usually give them the kick up the backside they probably needed. Uh, and of course, I think that goal literally straight after the halftime whistle also helps you as well, gives you mm. a bit more of an advantage. So, yeah, I think there's got to be a bit of a, a big improvement at Arsenal uh, a week on Saturday because Arsenal are going great guns at the moment in the league. Obviously, 1-3-0 at Brentford the other day. Uh, so they'll be in confident mood and they've got a number of players who aren't on international duty. I think it was the three Brazilians They've yeah. uh, made a lot about Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel the defender, and then Martinelli as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be a really, really interesting game. And obviously, with the international break taking place at the moment, uh, there's a couple of Tottenham players who aren't on international duty at the moment, and that's Hugo Lloris and Ben Davis. Do you just want to tell everyone a bit more on that, Ali? Yeah, well, Ben Davies, as we said earlier, you know, obviously he's got that little hairline fracture in his leg beneath his knee, but the estimate was around three weeks. So whether that means he's just back in time for North North London Derby, we will see. Hugo Lloris is an interesting one because I don't think any of us realised there was a problem there because he looked absolutely fine. Um, And then he, he went to meet up with France and they discovered a little kind of small thigh injury the way they're talking about it, hopefully, and this is absolutely just trying to read into the very little information we were being given by the French Football Federation, they're definitely saying it's a small injury and that he's kind of come back and he won't be available for these two games. Tottenham remaining quite tight-lipped. 
I don't really think that means much at this stage uh, because there's an element of, of course, the player's been examined by France rather than them. So they probably want to look at it themselves anyway. And also, with the North London derby coming up, would you probably want to give any clarity on a player's fitness? Probably not. I think keeping it a little bit more mysterious plays into their hands quite nicely and keeps Arsenal guessing. From a personal point of view, I hope Lloris is absolutely fine because I think he's been really, really good in the last couple of games. And um, he normally does put in pretty big performances uh, against Arsenal as well. So I think definitely they'll want the captain fit. Uh, and just hopefully it is just a small little issue that with two weeks of kind of rest and treatment will be absolutely fine. But uh, yeah, it was a surprise one for us. We were kind of doing other stuff and then suddenly it started to emerge. Well, actually, I think it just France announced it, didn't it? It came out of the blue. Even the French media weren't reporting it. Um, yeah, not not good. Yeah, it was the national team who basically just reported, yeah, Larice absent from the squad. They called up his, the nonce goalkeeper. I uh, can't remember his, his name. Uh, but the thing is, for me, is they've said it's a small problem. And the fact that Larice has gone to France and then they've sent him back maybe suggests that it's not that big of an issue, really, because if it was, then surely it wouldn't have gone to France no, in the first place. Report? I think you sometimes, I can't remember if you still have to be examined by the person or not. I, can't I think sometimes it works, unless it's a really serious one where they have a scan and they can send it kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah you're probably right, to be honest. It, it just seemed a bit of a, a wasted journey, obviously, to go to their basic Clairefontaine and then come straight back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if Larice isn't to be fit, then... Obviously, that'll give Fraser Foster a chance uh, to play his first Tottenham game. And <laughs> a big game for your debut. It is, but I saw yesterday our good friend Andy Ha, who uh, used to work with us at Football.London, he was tweeting out that he'd rather Larice be in net because apparently Fraser Foster had a bit of a masterclass against Arsenal maybe oh, last really? time he played them. So, yeah, if obviously Larice is injured and Foster comes in, then it's... Uh, it's a decent replacement to bring in. He had a really good season uh, with Southampton. Bags of Premier League experience, but fingers crossed, uh, Larice will be fit. And obviously now he's got two weeks, uh, as well as Ben Davis, to you know try and get back up to fitness ahead of that North London derby. And to be honest, everyone's going to want to play in that, even yeah. if you're injured or not. So everyone will be pushing to be up. Involved, I think with Davis given said it was what three week time frame he's going to be touch and go. But Clement Longley's been playing well when he has been in the team, so there's a good replacement there. Oh, yeah, uh, so yeah, we'll have I to wait and see. I was just going to say, I think we were saying yesterday, probably out of the recent goalkeeper backups for Larice. probably Forster is the one we'd be most confident in coming in in the Premier League, I think. Pierre Luigi Gallini, um, I don't think he really entirely convinced either of us. And we've seen the footage this week of his kind of interesting moment. In was it in European game, wasn't it? Yeah, in the uh, Conference League, I believe. Yeah, he just came sprinting out and, and just oh, it was a mad moment. Um, Joe Hart, I think, was a very good keeper. I think, and and obviously he's a great leader, kind of a personality. But I think Spurs, it's probably fair to say, got him towards. To the tail end of his career, you know, so maybe not quite where he was. Um, I think who was before that? Who was before? I'm missing someone. Really It'll obvious. be Gazaniga and Vaughan. Gazaniga. 
Yeah, Gazaniga, I always felt was one of those where maybe people slightly overestimated how good he was among the fan base. There was some calls I remember for him to start over Lloris at one point, which I never really understood at the time. Um, And I think when he did get a run, he wasn't particularly great as that run went on. Whereas I think with Forster, you know, it's a guy that played, what is it, about 24 Premier League games last season or something? This is a guy who is, who's, he's very recently been quite a, a very good Premier League goalkeeper. So, yeah, I think it would be less of a worry. But I'd prefer to see Lloris in there, of course, because he is a, he's a, one of the, you know, he's, he's up there among the, the, the greats in the, in the game. Um, I just want to very quickly say, kind of before we head off as well, how strong and dominant uh, Conte was afterwards in his press conference. There was one little moment I just want to touch on before, kind of before we head off into the sunset. Um, when he was he was be, he's speaking, saying some very strong words, let's put it that way, about his way or the highway, pretty much, when it comes to Tottenham. Um, he was kind of asked whether, you know, I just want to get the words exactly right because I don't want to paraphrase them uh, and say them incorrectly. But it was essentially being asked about players in the past being at Tottenham um, and not, I guess, not being part of rotation, just being starting week in, week out. And there was no real kind of, um, yeah, concern for them. Like I think he's talking about the likes of Kane and Son would come in. You'd come to Tottenham. You'd sign for Tottenham, essentially knowing I'm going to start every week. And he wants to rid that mentality. So it was put to him whether it had been too easy for players in the past. And he just said, and this is classic Conte, Honestly, I don't care what happened in the past. I have my management. I have my own idea. And my story speaks very clear. In every situation I work in, I lift a trophy at the end. It means maybe my vision, my work, and my idea of football have to be given credit. Otherwise, I go with my idea. I go with my thoughts, my way to build something important. I think the club is really happy with what we're doing with the players, with the staff, I'm sure. I don't want to compromise. I don't accept compromise of anybody. This has to be very clear. I go for my way. I go for my road. And this has to be very important because I know I'm going to try to build something important for the future for the club that decides to work with me. It's like, he might as well have just whacked some trophies on the table and just said, yeah, look, this is what I do. I win stuff. Come with me. Um, And it was, I loved it. I'll be honest. Spurs need a strong leader. That's absolutely what they need. Um, and he was, he was just going in there and just saying, if you don't like my idea, then that's fine. I'll head off somewhere and we'll, we'll, we'll go our separate ways. But if you want to work with me, we're going to do some good stuff. And he has in recent days, again, he's been talking about starting this path with Tottenham. So I think he is very much continuing to put the ball in Tottenham's court and just saying, look, I'll get you there, but you've got to help me. Um, and on the pitch, I think the message is exactly the same to the players. He's essentially said it as well in the press conference. I want to rotate, but it's down to you guys as players not to drop the level of performance. Because if you do, I can't rotate you into the team. Uh, I just love that. It's a clarity. There's no messing around. There's no hidden messages. Conte just says exactly what he thinks. He's an emotional guy, but he also can think very clearly at times as well. And uh, yeah, I love that. No compromise. Very good. Yeah, it's not a bad uh, way to finish uh, this latest episode of Gold and Guests Hot Tottenham. Uh, we'll be back soon with the next episode as ever. Just keep with us at football.london for your latest Tottenham and news.
Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus free threat protection, plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.